0: This morning, I would like to continue part two and of what we learned about concerning the Lord's Supper and also kind of recap to get us caught up to where we are this morning. Last week, we learned a number of things. We learned that when we partake of the Lord's Supper, whether it is, uh, hopefully, it's not yearly, hopefully, it's not uh, annually or every six months, but as often as we meet... That when we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are first looking back at the completed work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and in the resurrection. So when you come to the Lord's Supper, you are looking back at the completed, finished work that Christ has done on the cross and in the resurrection on behalf of his, of his own. We learn that when we partake in the Lord's Supper, it is a means of grace grace. I said last week, it is not a means of grace in the sense that you are justified when you come and take of the Lord's Supper or that you are made righteous when you come and partake of the Lord's Supper. That would be a Roman Catholic dogma. We are not Roman Catholics. Amen. Rather, when we partake in the Lord's Supper, it is a means of grace that it is used by God. Used by God to mature us used by God to mature us in holiness and spiritual growth. Why do I say that? Listen close. Why do I say it is a a means of grace to help us to grow in holiness and spiritual maturity? The reason why I say that is because when you come to the Lord's Supper, it is a reminder of the cross. It is the cross before your eyes on a consistent basis. So what is the response of a person who has the cross before his eyes on a, on a consistent basis? What is the response to that cross in his everyday living? Is it go out and continue to sin? Or is the response looking at the cross saying, I look at the cross. I see the grace that has been given to me at the cross. And I walk away saying... Why would I defile and spit on the cross by going and pursuing sin? So God uses this Lord's Supper as a means of growing us up in holiness so that we are reminded of the cross and therefore return from sin. Does that make sense? It will hopefully as we go on. If you have any more questions about that, then please talk to me. We talked about that last week. It is a constant reminder to encourage you, to encourage us. That sin has been defeated. Amen. That when you come to the Lord's table, it is a reminder that sin has been defeated. Sin has no power over you. That's what the previous statements that I just made, yeah. that's what I mean, is that it's a reminder. Sin has no power over you. That, that that sin has been defeated. You can walk in freedom and victory because your victory was accomplished on your behalf Amen. at the cross. Amen. So when you come to the Lord's table, you are reminded that you have victory in Christ because of the cross and that your payment has been payment of sin. The debt that you owe has been paid in full at the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We also talked about that when we look back, we glorify God, knowing that he has again accomplished what he set out to do in redeeming a people of his own Goodwill and good pleasure. He came and redeemed his elect by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come to the the, the Lord's Supper, you're reminded of these things and you glorify God because of them. Now, if you came to the Lord's Supper last week and and you just had a good time, you thought this was just another moment, then it went completely over your head. you came to the Lord's Supper last week and it was just another wafer that tastes like styrofoam, uh, we'll get new ones, I promise. And juice, then it completely went over your head. You come and you are literally going back. As I was praying, you were back in that upper room with the Lord Jesus Christ. You are sitting around that table. You are looking at him, breaking the bread and passing the wine. And you are sitting there amongst them, knowing he's about to lay down his life for you. And you look back at that moment, knowing this, that when he was on the cross... He had you on his mind. Remember that? He had you on his mind. So when you come to the Lord's Supper, don't think of this as just another trite moment. Think of it as weighty. Think of it as heavy. Think of it as uh, this, again, is the Lord's body. This is his blood. And here I am remembering the great grace that was given to me on that day. I mean, you think about Luther, and we don't have Luther's view of communion, but you think about Luther. He held The body and the blood. Remember when we talked about this and he couldn't even move. He couldn't even speak. He was so taken back by the fact that he died for me. You may be thinking last week as I started talking about he died for his own. He had his own on his mind. He, He died for his elect. You may have been thinking last week, how do I know I am one of those persons? How do I know I'm one of the, the elect? You ever wonder about that? How, am I one of the elect of God? Am I one of his sheep? And I sat back and I began to think, well, let me ask you a few questions. Have you repented of your sin? Have you repented of your sin? And are you continually repenting of your sin? Yes. Well, if you are, that's a good evidence that maybe you belong to Christ. Amen. Have you been baptized as a public uh, identifying, publicly identifying yourself with Christ well, if you have, then that's a good evidence that you, you have been joined to Christ and that you are one of his own. Yes. Have you repented of sin and turned to Christ? And are you continually turning to Christ away from the world? Yes. Away from the world and turning to Christ. That's what re- repentance is. Turning from sin and turning to Christ. Are you doing that? Have you done that? Are you continuing to do that? If you are doing that, then maybe that's a good reminder or a good yes. evidence that you belong to Christ. Yes. Is your desire to glorify God in all that you do? Then maybe you belong to Christ. Is the Spirit producing fruit in you as you abide in Him and obey His Word? That's good evidence that you belong to Christ. Do you have a desire to to spread and to share the gospel? That's a, that's a good evidence that you belong to Christ. All of these and much more are showing that you have been regenerated and that you belong to the fold of Christ. Mm-hmm. So when we partake of the Lord's Supper, you are, you are a part of that, that fold, that sheep fold, that is presently remembering the work done by Christ. Amen? But there is more. This week I would like to share with you the present blessing. The present blessing, blessings, that are ours today because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Ray, can you do me a favor? Can you please turn that to like 72 or something? I'm freezing right here. If it sounds like he's talking so fast, it's because my my mouth is chattering. I'm freezing. I'm sorry. We're not just looking back and remembering. We are also presently receiving blessings... That Christ purchased for us at the moment he said it is finished on the cross. The Lord's Supper. At the Lord's Supper, we are presently receiving blessings which Christ has won for us at the cross. You want to find out what those are? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. and Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse number one. It's going to go into verse three. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Real quick, who's he speaking to? Those in Ephesus who are the saints. But he's speaking to the elect of God. To the praise of His glory. You may be seated in the house of God this morning. God add a blessing to the reading of His Word. When we look at Ephesians, there's something unusual about the way that Paul begins in this letter. Let me tell you why. Usually, when Paul begins his letters, he greets his audience. Then he begins to commend them, for, commend them with encouraging words. About what he's heard concerning the church, and then he usually gives a blessing to those people. But in this letter, Paul jumps straight into praise. In verses 3 through 14, we see that God is displaying his plan of redemption in terms of the past being election, in terms of the present being redemption, and in terms of the future being our inheritance. He breaks into a praise, Paul does, and says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Paul begins this letter with praising the Father. Why is he praising the Father? Because we have the elect, the saints, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul said that we have been blessed by the Father when we are in Christ. So in order to receive the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, you must first and foremost belong to Christ. So if you are not in Christ... Unfortunately, this passage does not apply to you. If you are not in Christ, can you bring my mic down a little bit? If you are not in Christ, this passage does not apply to you. Grace through faith in Christ alone is what makes a person blessed by the Father. And therefore you are in Christ and therefore you receive every spiritual blessing. I'm getting to a point. Next, you should notice that those blessings from the Father in Christ—they are not earthly blessings. Right. Amen. They are heavenly blessings. We can rejoice right now on earth because of the heavenly blessings, but they are not earthly blessings. So, we here's here's a a a if you're not knowing this, we think get. Saved and then get earthly blessings. That's what the, the, the so-called church culture teaches. Right. Not our church culture. But we have been taught by outside forces that are evil. That's right. That you get saved and then you get earthly blessings. Paul is saying because you're saved, you get heavenly blessings. There is no mention of any earthly blessing in being in Christ, is there? Amen. There is only mention of... Heavenly blessings. We rejoice more exceedingly over heavenly blessings than anything the world could ever offer us. Because what the world offers us is temporal. What the world offers us is fleeting. What the world offers us will not last. It will not satisfy and it will not gratify your soul. But heavenly blessings. Those are eternal. Heavenly blessings. Those are everlastingly satisfying heavenly blessings. Those will gratify your soul. This is one of the the main the many areas that the prosperity doctrine has gone wrong. They have promised new houses and new cars and new jobs and temporal things. And because we are fleshly, we run to that kind of doctrine. We want to hear those kind of preachers because they make us feel good while we're here. But what are they appealing to? Our flesh. Yeah. If you appeal to the flesh and make it sound like it's from God, you'll come up with any kind of scripture to make it sound like it's okay. That's right. Amen. Amen. But that's not what scripture teaching teaches and that is not what Paul is saying. Those things are merely a distraction from the heavenly blessings that are ours in Christ. Satan wants even believers to get so caught up on what you can get right here right now to satisfy your flesh so that you get distracted from the real blessings Amen. that Christ offers. Right. So you may be wondering, so if there's so much better than the earthly things that my flesh wants, what are those things? What are those spiritual blessings that I have in heavenly places? First of all, I want you to notice that Paul says you have every spiritual blessing. Amen. If I said you're going to have a car, you'd be running around right now. <laughs> if I said you'd get a raise, you'd be running around. You might even run out the building and go scream on Yampa. I'm getting a raise. That's right. Paul says you have every spiritual blessing that you could ever want or ever need right now in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to emphasize the word every. every. He's not just saying you have the spiritual blessings. He's, he's emphasizing. He's inspiring. He's speaking through Paul to say every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ Jesus. There is no lack when it comes to spiritual blessings. You have total blessings from the Father in Christ Jesus. Get to it, preacher. What are those spiritual blessings? Verse 4 even as he chose us in him from the foundation of the world. Blessing number one, God has chose you. God has chose you. He's elected you. He's called you as his own. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And just in case you didn't hear it, I'll scream it out. He don't do that for everybody. Yes, yes, hallelujah. He does not do that for everyone. If you say, well, prove that to me in Scripture. Deuteronomy 7.6, Isaiah 45.4, John 6.44, Acts 13.48, Romans 8.29, Romans 9.11, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.3. Should I go on? It's all throughout Scripture that he knew you and chose you before the foundation of the world and called you yes. to belong to him as his own. Yes. That is mind-blowing. Yes. 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 In spite of all that you've done. That he knew you would do. Yes, yes. He knew before you do, did those things yes. that you were going to be his. Amen. What a blessing that is. Yes. What a blessing that is. Yes. Yes. Please do not let that go past you without feeling the weight of that statement. Yes. You want another blessing? Verse 4. That you should be holy and blameless before God. Yes. God blessed you making us holy and blameless. Imagine that. Setting you apart. That is both the purpose and the result of being chosen by God. Because he chose you, you are blessed as being holy and blameless. It's both the purpose and the result. He chooses you, therefore you become blameless and holy. You want more blessings? Should I go on? Imagine that. The unrighteous now being declared righteous. The unworthy now being declared worthy. You want more blessings, though, I can see in your face. Verse 5. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will. We were not His children. We were walking the streets as dead people, the walking dead. That's right. That's right. right. And He brings us in. He cleans us up. He bathes us. He feeds us. And then He says, I'm going to make you my own. You are now and you receive the same benefits as my natural children. You are not my natural children, but I've adopted you as my natural. You are now mine. What a blessing that is. You want more blessings, though? I can see it in your face. Verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. God has blessed us bought us out of the slave market, brought us into his house. We've been blessed with forgiveness. Your sins will not be held against you when you stand before God. Isn't that good to know? Because right now you're living in a kind of way to thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't know if he's going to cast me down when I die. But do you know that when you die, you can joyfully die because you're going to stand before God forgiven. You want more blessings? You're forgiven. You're standing before, you know, you have an assurance, you have a hope that when you stand before Him, you are declared right before Him. How awesome is that? You want more though. Verse 8, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, and here's what He does, making known to us the mystery of His will. Here's a blessing. By grace, we have been blessed with the knowledge of his will. Oh, hallelujah. He has given us his very word and revealed to us hallelujah. wisdom, insight. And what am I here for? It's right here. Yeah. He's given you the reason why you live. Yeah. Don't climb to a mountain like I used to do and ask God, God, why am I here? <laughs> He's going to say, open up the book. You're here. And I'm going to tell you why. To declare my name. To make me glorious. To get this gospel to the nations. Yes. Hallelujah. You don't have to wonder why you're here. He has revealed to you His will. Amen. What a blessing that is. Amen. While you have people roaming around the world looking for, not until they're dead on their, on their deathbed. What am I here for? You can... Look at God's Word and know why you live. Do you know how much time you won't waste because of that? Do you know how many people you won't waste time with because of this? That's a blessing. Now, I know it's not a shiny car with new rims. But once you drive it off the lot, it becomes worthless. Can you turn the air back on now? Verse 11 says we have an inheritance. Verse 12 says that we have hope. And that we also have, here's the big one, the promised seal of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance to the praise and glory of God. You have the promised seal of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The way you're living, let me just help you out, because you're you're looking at me like, I don't make it. The way you're living, is a direct result of the fact that He, the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of you. Yes. And that is an inheritance. It is a seal. It is a promise. It is saying because He lives in you, that is evidence that all the blessings that we just spoke about are yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Amen. Holy Spirit li- Do you ever freak out and look at yourself in the mirror and be like, Jesus, he's in there. That's crazy. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and it's because of Him that you're even here. Right. It's because of Him that you were there Saturday at Hungry and Homeless. It's because of Him that you even have a desire to do anything good Amen. that glorifies God. Amen. Without Him, you would be doing everything other than anything that glorifies God. Right. Thinking that, right. you're going to be okay, but you're not. That's right. Right now, we have all of these spiritual blessings from the Father through Christ. So you're darn right when someone asks you, how are you doing, to say, I'm blessed. Because you are. You are more than blessed. You are totally blessed with every spiritual blessing from the Father through Christ Jesus. We bless God because of all of these blessings. And when we come to the Lord's table... We celebrate those blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. When we come and we partake of the bread and juice or whatever it is, um, we celebrate those blessings. Amen. Amen. I want you, when you come to the Lord's table, to have these things. I mean, can you imagine the things that are filling your mind right now? You're not just looking back. And what Christ has done, even though you are. But now you're thinking about all the blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus when you come in, in fellowship with Christ at the Lord's Supper. Paul prays for his believer, for those believers that their understanding of these wonderful things would expand. That their love for Christ and their understanding of all of these things would grow. And I pray that same thing for you. That the reality of these truths expand in your mind and in your heart. So that when you partake in the Lord's Supper, you can celebrate so many different things that are, that are yours. Amen. Amen. We celebrate redemption, redemption accomplished. As we're going to do in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate the adoption that is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to celebrate the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to celebrate the election that is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to celebrate the knowledge and wisdom of God and His will that is in His Word in the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate forgiveness, etc. There's so much to thank God for. Amen. But every time, it, it seems like someone has to remind you of all of these things. Because the world is so filled our minds that those things take precedence over these things. Those temporal things take precedence over these eternal things. Do not let that be the case when you come to the Lord's table. Whether it be marriage, whether it be kids, whether it be jobs, whether it be bills, whether it be transportation, whether it be any of those things. They're temporal. God knows what you need. God knows what you need and those things will be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom of God. Yes. Yes. Pursue him. Number two, the Lord's Supper is a special fellowship with Christ. The Lord's Supper is a special fellowship with Christ. It's a unique fellowship with Christ. I know that may sound weird, but I want to show you from Scripture what I mean. In Luke twenty-two twenty, Jesus says, This cup that is poured out for you is the covenant, is the new covenant in my blood. Again as we talked about last week, Jesus is cutting a new covenant and with it comes a meal, a fellowship meal. We talked about that last week that when a relationship is established, a new relationship is established, it is usually and most commonly accompanied by a what? A meal. You get married, you have a reception afterwards, you have a meal. You have a time of fellowship, of intimacy. You go on a date. You don't sit in front of a television. You sit across the table from one another and you celebrate your relationship. But what do meals represent? Again, they represent intimacy. And the New Testament believers, they understood this principle. In Acts chapter 2, when the believers begin to gather there, they are hearing the teachings of the apostles. They are are praying. They're singing. And they're doing what? What? They're breaking bread together. They are celebrating a new kind of intimacy that is theirs in Christ Jesus. This is what we're going to do at the end of this month when we have a large church fellowship. We're just going to eat together and fellowship together. Eat and enjoy the relationship that we have together in Christ. Amen? Amen. I believe that the early church, though, saw the Lord's suffer as more than just a memory. More than just present spiritual blessings. But they also were experiencing a real and a real spiritual sense. That Christ was there fellowshipping with them. In a real spiritual sense. That Christ was presently there fellowshipping with them. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 9 and 10. We're going to jump through each of those real quick. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 and 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians, the church there in Corinth was making a mockery out of the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the church is having a problem because believers were eating food that had been sacrificed to idols. Believers were eating food that had been sacrificed to idols. Paul points out to the believers who were eating this food. It's really not a big deal. If you want to eat food sacrificed to idols, it's not a big deal because those idols are not God anyway. Eat the food. But there are some people who do not yet know what you know about this sacrificed food and about God. And you are offending them because of your eating the food from these idols. Therefore, if it's going to cause your brother to stumble and fall, avoid it. Don't do it. He said in in 1 Corinthians 8.13, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat again. Lest I make my brother stumble. So if there's going to be an issue about people being offended by me eating food sacrificed to idols, then I won't eat food sacrificed to idols. Not a big deal. Paul goes on to say that he basically forfeits all of his rights, all of his rights that are aimed to satisfy himself for the sake of glorifying God. And then in chapter 10, verse 14, he says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. Now he starts talking about communion. The cup of blessing that we bless, which is the Lord's cup, is not in participation, is not, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Listen to that word, participation. The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? What does that mean? The word participation means kornonia. In other versions, it may say a sharing or a fellowship in the blood of Christ, or A a, a union with Christ. But he's basically speaking about the Lord's Supper is a time of fellowshipping with Christ. It's a time of union with Christ. It's a time of intimacy with Christ. Paul goes on to say, don't partake in the sacrificing of idols, because then you would be fellowshipping with who? Demons. Interesting. Interesting. He says, you cannot drink, verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake in the the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You have been united to Christ. And when we partake of the Lord's supper, Christ is present there and you are fellowshipping with him. Now, if you are sacrificing and worshipping idols, then you're fellowshipping with demons. The point that is being made is this. He is really present with us in a spiritual way at the Lord's Supper. Now listen, not a subjective way. In, it is not a subjective way in which Christ is with us at the Lord's table. Meaning this, you're not going to come to the Lord's table and physically see Christ Jesus at the Lord's table. Saying, here, take this one. That one's a good one. That's not what's happening. It's an objective way in which Christ is with us. Meaning this, Christ is spiritually with us in a way that he is not with us in a, on a regular basis. Christ is always with us. But when we come to the Lord's table, he is with us in a unique, special way that is not like all the other times that Christ is with us. Does that make sense? Yes. You may be looking at me like, that's weird. Okay, so let me show you some other areas in scripture in which that principle is true. That objective principle is true. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I'm just going to say it to you, okay? You write it down. Faith comes from hearing. And what? Class? And what is the rest? Huh? And hearing through the word of Christ. You ever thought about that? Faith comes from hearing. Listen then. And hearing through the word of Christ. In other words, your faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. Hmm. What does that mean? I've heard that for years. When a preacher opens up his mouth and declares the truth of the gospel, you're not hearing the preacher. When the preacher opens up his mouth and declares the, the truth of the gospel, not false teaching like a Craftlow Dollar or Kenneth Copeland or Joel Osteen or let me point to all of them. But I don't have enough time to do it. When a preacher declares the word of God clearly from the word of God, it is not the preacher that you are hearing. It is Christ that you are hearing. And the instrument being used so that Christ can speak to you is that preacher who is being faithful to the word of God. That's right. right. It's the voice of Christ speaking, not the voice of the preacher. At that moment, the instrument is the preacher, but the voice is Christ. In a very special way, when you first believed on the gospel, when, when faith came to your heart, when you turned to Christ, repented of sin, it was not because of that man. So we can look and praise Paul Washer's. We can look to and praise uh, John MacArthur. We can look to and praise Archie Sproul. It's not Archie Sproul. It's not John MacArthur. It ain't Paul Washer. Amen. It's Christ. Yes. Yes. It's Christ alone. Yes. He's using these instruments, but it is Christ speaking through the faithful man of God to preach to your heart. Yes. And what comes from that? Faith. 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 Yes. Which is why it's so hard for me when you come to me and say, good job, because I didn't do anything. There, when, when I feel the words is when I leave and I know I said things that I shouldn't have said because that was not Christ. That was me. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Can you imagine? God's holy word yes. being spoken through an instrument. And as a result of Christ being right there, using that instrument, faith Amen. comes into your heart and you believe right. and trust upon Christ. You're going to credit that to a man? So in a real special way, Christ is there during that moment, declaring his truth to the hearts of his people so that his sheep will hear his voice and respond. That's right. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yes. My sheep hear my voice yes. and they follow me. They know my voice and they follow me. Yes. Yes. I know his voice is not like mine. That's, right. That's his voice speaking. Yes. And that's why when you see me even before service, I've, it seems like I've got a lot on my mind. I do. I'm being charged with being faithful to preach this word. That's right. And as a result of faithfulness to this word, God is going to use that to speak directly into the hearts of people who are his own right. and bring them to salvation. That's right. You better believe I'm in a serious mood before service. You better believe it looks like I got the weight on, of the world on my shoulders. That's right. That's right. I have to be faithful to this. In the same sense, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are blessed with a fellowship with Christ in a real special way that's unique to this moment. So don't think I'm going off the deep end when I say he's with us in a real literal sense. I'm not. You know what? That's one example. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Get there quickly. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between, verse 15, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two other, others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. But if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector or an unbeliever. Verse 18, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Isn't it funny how you know the rest of this verse (laughs) and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He's not speaking about demon possession. He's not speaking about uh, earthly wealth. He's not speaking about money. He's not speaking about you dominating the world. And if you speak it, it's going to be yours. That has nothing to do with anything that he just said. He's talking about church discipline. The Context is church discipline. And here's what it means. That it happened in the past and that it has ongoing effects. The sin that happened in the church happened in the past and it has ongoing effects. Whatever you are declaring here on earth has already been declared in the courts of heaven because that person refuses to repent. Whenever you loose, loose. Bind, bind. It's there, it's here. Same thing. Heaven has already passed judgment and the church is simply there declaring to them what heaven has already declared. That's why he finishes by saying, verse 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is not when you have a little prayer group of two or three people And you could say, he said, when there's two or three, now he's right here. Shut up. That's not what he said. That's not what he meant. The Lord Jesus Christ is declaring that when they practice church church discipline, he is there in a real literal sense, declaring with them what has already been declared in heaven. Therefore, be encouraged. Because you're going, to, you're going to encounter persecution, but Christ is there with you because you're doing what Christ has commanded. He has already decided, as being the head of the church, what the outcome of that matter should be. Therefore, he is with us. Amen. In a real, literal sense. I act upon his word because he has commanded me to obey, and in the process of my obedience, he is there with me. Yes. yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, that I don't have to worry that I'm going upon my own authority. That's Christ awesome. is there. Christ is supporting that, re- that, that decision because Christ is the one who commanded it. There are so many people who believe that de- they don't need church. There are so many people who said, man, let's meet at the bar. We could have church at the bar. <laughs> me and you. couple of brews." <laughs> it's when two believers get together, right? Where did you get that from? Where in the world is that from? Who made that stupid thing up? Ah, We're just going to meet in the little house and here's our church. Is that what church really is? See, our view of church is this big. So when it comes to a setting like this, we don't want it because there's church discipline involved. I'm going to I'm going to me as as shepherd of the house. I must practice church discipline. If not, this is not church; it's a social club meeting, and the the Word of God just happens to be there. It's not completely church if there is no church discipline. That's right. Amen. Amen. You cannot just meet at the park and have church with a buddy. It's not just going and talking about Jesus. There's 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 communion involved. There's church discipline involved. There's worship involved. There's breaking bread involved. There's praying for one another involved. There's encouraging one another involved. Yes, 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 yes. You cannot have. I'm going to say some things that maybe will rub people the wrong way. A person who believes that they don't need to be in church to have a relationship with God That's right. is completely wrong, That's right. and they are living in sin. That's right. Amen. A person who will not submit to church authority. And be taught and raised and, and discipled by pastors and elders. Yes. They're rebels. That's right. Amen. They're rebels. And that's why it's so hard for them to get into church. Because once someone starts preaching and practicing what Christ has already commanded in the church, they don't want to be a part of it. Because right. they want to do their own thing. That's right. Amen. They want to be autonomous. Yes. And that's why some of you are squirming in your seat and so quiet right now. Because it's even hard for some of you, not most of you, because most of you are RBC members. And you've been taught well. Yeah. But for others to say, gosh, I don't know, I hate it. See, that. Listen, I haven't even talked about of you giving me money. <laughs> I went to a place recently and he said, all they talk about at church is don't do this, give money, and go home, or whatever he said. I don't care about your money, I care about your soul. When I come to you and I say, hey, I need to talk to you, yes. I don't want you to give me money. That's right. I'm not like, which I just looked up recently, Creflo Dollar asking his church to give donations so that he could buy a new jet. Oh, wow. I don't need that. I got a car. I'll take a bus. <laughs> I don't need your money. Right. I've been charged with caring over your soul. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Right. Who did Jesus cut a new covenant covenant with? Hmm. Who did Jesus cut the new covenant covenant with? His church, yes. His bride, yes, yes. And you're going to look at his bride, yes, and say she's a floozy. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's right. I don't want anything to do with her. Yes, yes. I met with my friend. We talked about God. We had church. That's right. No, you didn't. You had a good time of fellowship. That's it. Praise God for that. That's great. That's it. That's we text on the phone. We had church. You're dumb. That's right. No, you didn't. That's right. I'm saying some mean things. I don't mean to, but That's it right. is what it is. That's it. You had a moment when you felt good talking about yourself or other things other than the world and made yourself feel better because you're in the world. And you made yourself feel good for a moment because you talked about something other than the world. And you called it church. That's not church. Christ cut a covenant with His church. And if you are regenerated, if you belong to Him, you are included in that covenant. You are a part of that body and you need to be with them, And they need to be with you. You are here to encourage one another to do what? To spur one another on to, to love and good deeds, yes. to pray for one another, to encourage one another, yes. to teach yes. one another, to admonish one another. Yes, yes, yes. yes. To correct one another. Yes. Hebrews 1025 says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I heard my brother Arturo say, we are 2,000 years closer to that day than they were when this book was written. Wow. Wow. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4, God gave the church apostles and prophets and pastors and so on and so on. To help the church to grow in maturity. We've talked about that. We've talked about that. If you hang around people like that, unless you're mature in the Lord, who say, I don't need church, you might start adopting some of their mentality. Unless you're mature in the Lord. So I encourage you, be careful. If you're going to go into the lion's den, you better know how to tame a lion. Hallelujah, Amen. 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 Same thing with unbelievers. Yes. Which I believe people who don't want to be in the church are. You're going to go into the old neighborhood. You better be ready. That's right. That's right. To speak a different kind of language. Yes. <coughs> followed by a different kind of action. Yes. If you're going to go into the lion's den, you better be ready or know how to tame a lion. Amen. So we look back. As we commune with Christ, we also experience the present blessings during this time of fellowship when we partake in the Lord's Supper. Let me show you one more. As a matter of fact, I'll just say it to you. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you. Always to the end of the age. As we go and obey the Great Commission, Christ is with us in a unique, and special way. As we go and declare the gospel to the nations, the Lord Jesus Christ is with us in a special kind of way. As people like Brandon Buzer and his brother Brooks Buser, are they, as they are declaring the gospel out there in the mission field and making the gospel known to different people groups... Christ is there with them in a very special way. As Louie and his team goes out to different parts of Bakersfield to declare the gospel and to feed people, Christ is with him and them in a very special and unique way. When my brother and I and others who go out to the marketplace go out and start to talk to people, Christ is there with us in a very unique, special way. In a way that he's not with me in other ways. Yes, 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 yes. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are fellowshipping with Christ in a unique, special way. Amen. Amen. Christ is with us again in a unique, special way when we take the gospel to the nations. He's with us in a unique, special way when we declare the gospel. He's with us in a very special way when we act upon church discipline. He's with us in a very special way when we remember His accomplished work on the cross. And He is presently with us as we celebrate the blessings that come from the Father, that are ours in Christ Jesus. And last, that I won't do, deal with next Sunday, is this. We look back, we presently celebrate, and we look forward. We look forward to the day that we will be able to fellowship with Christ in this meal. Listen now. With Him, face to face. Then it won't just be a looking back at that moment. It won't just be a present, enjoying all the present blessings and and enjoying, remember, or knowing what Christ has done, but it'll also be looking toward the future on that great day, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't that what it's called? The marriage supper of the Lamb. It'll be our reception with our, our, our groom, Christ. Where we will sit with him face to face. And if you could even imagine that. Sitting with him face to face. I don't know what your wedding was like. Or if you're not married. But if you could even imagine that one day where you were sitting across from your new husband or your new bride. And you were eating for the very first time as husband and wife. Imagine how much greater that's going to be with Christ. The love that you experience here is nothing like you will be able to experience in glory. Amen. The relationships that you experience here are nothing like they will be in glory. They will be without sin. that <laughs> Relationships without sin, without jealousy, without envy, without strife. And that is the perfect union that we will have with Christ on that day. Amen. Christ came. And he died for people that were born sinners, people that were born rebels, people that wanted nothing to do with him. We broke God's holy command. We broke God's holy law. We did so intentionally. And Christ came as we were lying dead in our graves, unable to choose any spiritual good on our own. Christ called out our name, the name of those whom He had known from the beginning of time. Amen. He called out their name. And they rose from the dead. And they came to him in faith by the grace of God. And he adopted them as his own. Brought them into his home. Cared for them as their father. And because he rose from the dead. We now have life with him eternally. To the glory and praise of God. As we partake in the Lord's Supper this morning. All of that should be in your mind. All of those wonderful truths should be flooding your heart and your mind.